I know Celebrate Recovery has the stigma for just being for people with drugs and alcohol. So for me, it was tough walking in for the first time. I didn't have those issues. Celebrate Recovery is for anyone with any hurt, habit, or hang-up. It can be relationship. It can be codependency. Codependency is one of our biggest groups. Um, Sexual integrity is also another huge group that we have. I look at Celebrate Recovery as the bookends of any type of hurt, habit, or hang-up. It's a safe place to be able to come and just process. No judgment. A friend of mine's son came for the first time, and he just turned to his mom and said, Mom, this is what church should be like. They're saying what their issues are up there. They're not hiding it. This is the most real church that I've ever been to. I appreciate that, and I lean into that. That's where I have found my best friends, to be able to walk alongside. No judgment, just being able to be open and honest. Kind of the setup on Friday nights, we have a time just to find a kind of connection. From 6 to 7, we have connection. Then we have a large service from 7 to 8. Then what we have called uh, Open Share, which is issue-specific groups. And just last week, I was talking with a guy, and he said, you know, it took him a month and a half just going to Open Share and saying pass before he could even think about sharing any of the shame that he had put on himself and about the choices that he had made. He had somebody that was coming with him so that somebody would know that he actually went. And so it was one of those he went from having to come for his family's sake to now he's one of our leaders. And so it's a step by step. It's not the same for everyone. So as far as walking in the door at Celebrate Recovery, there's no pressure. You don't have to come in expecting to spill your guts to anyone. It's a process. Each person's journey looks different, and we leave that up to God. I'm Linwana, and as a result of attending Celebrate Recovery, my codependency is nothing what it used to be. I don't look to others to gain who I am, but I gain my identity in Jesus Christ. I would have never dreamed of being as involved in Celebrate Recovery as I am. I was a broken mess whenever I first jumped in, even though I thought I was fixed. I was a broken mess. And now I'm a broken mess in process and just trusting God in that process. Today, I'm in a much better place than I've ever been. Thanks to the tools of Celebrate Recovery. I'm part of the leadership team. I have healthy relationships with family and friends and have the opportunity to walk alongside others as they continue the journey as well. So if you want to learn more about Celebrate Recovery, you can go to CelebrateRecovery.com, put in your state, your city, and it will pull up a list of Celebrate Recoveries that are near you. Hey, I'm Lenwana. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with codependency, compulsive overeating, and depression, and childhood sexual abuse. And I've been a part of Celebrate Recovery now for several years. Before Celebrate Recovery, I had been in counseling for two years, so I thought I was fixed. And I wanted to help fix others. So I was a nervous wreck when I heard about the Celebrate Recovery thing and had no idea what type of people I was going to find when I got to this group. So I was pleasantly surprised when I met the normal people and I started working through the steps and God started revealing things in my life that I needed to work on. Principle one says, realize I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and my life is unmanageable. I thought I had it all together in a couple of years of counseling. Boy, was I wrong. 
God wanted me to experience more healing, and I'll never forget the night that God told me that this was the night I was supposed to share my secret and trust my stepsisters, which are I affectionately call the ladies that are in my group. I was a nervous wreck. I sat there and argued with God, reminding him that my love language was touch, and I was able to give and receive hugs now. But if the women in the group knew my past, that would all stop. I wanted to not walk, but to run out of the room, but I couldn't move. Proverbs 28, 13 states, you can't whitewash your sins and get by with it. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. I found this verse to be true. My time to share came and I opened my mouth to share about my poor choices I had made. The ladies just sat there and listened. No one interrupted me, but just let me cry and share. All I got after I shared was thanks for sharing. I felt a load was lifted off my shoulders and I didn't have to hide anymore. I had real people that knew my past and it was okay. At the end of the night, I still got hugs. I couldn't believe these women accepted me. When I got to step nine, which states we made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others, I thought, great, I'm off the hook. I don't want to hurt my parents, so that meant I didn't need to tell them anything, right? I was completely wrong. Something started stirring in me, and I began to see that it was time to tell my parents. God cleared the path for me in February of 2006 that it was time for me to share with my parents. My dad passed away March 16th. I'm thankful that I listened to God's leading and took the opportunity to share with him. He got to hear about my past and I got to hear that he loved me even after knowing all the things that I'd been doing. Several years later, sitting and processing with a counselor, I shared with her that I had always felt like there was some type of abuse in my past, but it made no sense and I didn't remember anything. It was just a feeling. In her great wisdom, she said, well, Lord Jesus, what do you have to say about this? As I sat there, God spoke to my heart and I began to weep. I know it was his timing, me having a safe person sitting with me so that I could process what he was showing me. I got a snapshot of my five-year-old self in the grain bin at my grandparents and who I was with. I was confused and angry. I shared with her that I don't remember my uncle being around as a child. All I just remember are him being in pictures. She explained that this was a form of self-protection and I had blocked him out. God continued to work in my life to help me to forgive a layer at a time as I once again was working through the 12 steps of Celebrate Recovery. Slowly over the next few years, some more memories came back and God showed me he was with me through this whole entire process. One night I was reading the principles at Celebrate Recovery and got to principle six that says, evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me. This hit me like a ton of bricks. I choked up in front of everyone, tears rolling down my face and everything going blurry. I was trying to gain my composure to read the next two principles. My thoughts were, God, couldn't you show me this somewhere else? Really? In front of a crowd? God was softening my heart and was preparing me for the next step. I got word that my uncle had stage four cancer and wasn't doing well at all. I felt God saying to my heart that I needed to call my uncle. As a side note, (laughs) if there are people that you know that have experienced some type of abuse in your past, part of the process may not look the same as mine. 
I would advise you to first seek counseling before reaching out and talking to anyone in your past. There were others in my life that I will never reconnect with. But in this situation, I felt God was leading me. So I continued to argue with God for a few minutes. The first call, phone call I made was awkward and short. I told God, well, I did it. Another two weeks went by and I felt I was supposed to reach out again. During the second phone call, a little less awkward, he said, I'm really sorry for the things that I did to you. Could you ever forgive me? I'm thankful it was on the phone and I was sitting down. This took me by surprise and I had no idea what I said. The next conversation, we had the same thing. I had time to work through the next layer with God and my counselor and was able to tell him that I did forgive him. Our relationship was starting to change. His cancer was progressing. The phone calls became more frequent. During one of the calls, I felt impressed to ask him what was on his bucket list. What are some of the things he really wanted to do in his life? He said he always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. As his health was quickly declining, my sisters and I made plans to go and see him. One of my sisters had a big screen and we also had a projector. So we found a tour of the Grand Canyon. Since he, we couldn't take him to the Grand Canyon, we decided to bring the Grand Canyon to him. I only had planned on staying with him for a couple of days. But after everyone left, it was just the two of us. And I asked him if there was anything I could do for him. He said, just sit here and hold my hand. I pulled up a chair, sat next to him and held his hand. I started praying for him. When I was done, he started praying and asking God for forgiveness and for something along the lines of not good enough to go to heaven. And I had a chance to share with him that when he confessed his sins and asked for forgiveness, that God welcomed him into heaven. There was no way to earn but just to accept God's free gift of forgiveness. We cried together, and he started singing, Jesus Loves Me. Once I got home, I got random phone calls from him saying he was having a rough day and just needed to hear an encouraging voice. I was the first person he would call. I went from blocking his calls to stopping whatever I was doing to take his calls. He passed away a few months later. I've come to realize that recovery is a group effort, not something that I can do on my own. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 says, Two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. Someone who falls alone is in real trouble. One person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. To celebrate recovery, I've developed accountability through accountability partners and a sponsor. God has brought people into my life that aren't afraid to ask the tough questions. Don't let me get by with the superficial answers, and they don't try to fix me, but let God do the work. These people haven't run, but have stuck with me, cried with me when things got hard, and rejoiced with me in the victories. Through working the steps and the eight principles found in Matthew 5, better known as the Beatitudes, I've been able to forgive the people that have hurt me and myself for the bad choices I have made. I am no longer held captive by the anger, hurt, fear, and resentment. There are times I still struggle with accepting the fact that God loves me, and I want to remind him of my past and tell him all the reasons why I don't deserve his love. He always gently reminds me that he paid the price for my past. All I have to do is accept his love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. It's a free gift, and there's nothing I can do to earn it. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No matter how far you've run, God is always patiently waiting. 
I encourage you to take that first step and give up and let God take control. As I've continued work in the process of Celebrate Recovery by leading open share and step studies, God continues to peel layers off my life and I continue to gain healing in my life. The walls I've built are coming down and God has brought people into my life that I've grown to trust and allow into my life. Psalms 139 says in verse 14, I thank you, God. For making me so mysteriously complex. Everything that you do is marvelously breathtaking. So mysteriously complex. So true. I don't understand me half the time. So how can I expect others to? He knows all the nooks and crannies in my life. And yet he not just loves me, but he chooses me and he chooses to love me. I had secrets that I was scared to death that people would find out. Once I was able to admit it to myself, to God, and to someone I trust, Satan no longer had a hold over my head, and the freedom has been amazing. Ephesians 5, 12-14 says, The things which were done in secret are things that people are ashamed even to speak of, but anything exposed to the light will be illuminated, and anything illuminated turns into light. God not only forgives us and forgives me, for the things that I have done, but turns them into light and brings them around for hope. 